Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. Hello and welcome to Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf. My name is Larry Canning. With me in the studio is Gary Barter. Hello, Gary. Hi, mate. How are you? You again have been overseas, but you've been to America to experience a live golf experience. I am looking forward to hearing how that went for you and how your view on the, how the Americans accepted live golf. The biggest tournament in the world, Gaz, the British Open, is being played this week at uh, St Andrews Golf Club. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking to a guy named Luke Adams about his unique and amazing new golf experience in Sydney, Gary. You are a little part of this, and I'm looking forward to listening to what Luke has to say. Tip is hitting into the wind uh, this time of the year, of course, and we saw this at the Scottish Open. Um, playing in the wind, is uh, it, it's an art, and it needs to be... It's, it's a game, it's a separate golf swing. I see it as a slightly different golf swing to hitting... Uh, in downwind or with no wind. So I'd like to explain how I think you should do it. The spit for this show, Gary, is Greg Norman was told not to front at St Andrews. Yeah, yeah, disappointing for me. I saw it coming. Slightly conflicting opinions on that. My club review, I did something silly, Gary, recently. I thought I'd grown out of the, gee, that golf club looks nice on my computer screen, I'm going to buy them. But I haven't. That's exactly what I did. I might have had an experience in the pro shop where I just picked up a really nice old blade and thought, geez, these are lovely. I'm going to get myself a set. I bought myself a set online at about 11.30 at night. Might have had a glass of red. <laughs> they arrived. Big, big mistake. They, big mistake. They were magnificent looking things. They're Honmars. They, look, they're beautiful golf sticks. They are a work of art. And I, and I got my good friend Con to make them up at exactly my specs. And they didn't work. No, I can't. can't hit them. I mean, I can hit wait, maybe one out of ten. Mm. And that one is magnificent. But the nine, the shank was more a case of my swing, not the golf clubs. Honmar make a magnificent product and they make um, clubs that should probably suit someone like me, which I didn't buy. I got the wrong ones. Well, they're works of art. They are. They are. They're, um, they're, they're forged out of just this. You can imagine in Japan some guy, um, you know. You it's know like, the guy like, that, like making a samurai sword. Exactly. I was going to the Kill Bill, still, mm. you know, where the guy. Mm. Jaturo Hanzu or whatever his name is makes the well that's that's what the, the, the they, same they, bloke no, makes they, on they, my clothes. They, they look beautiful <laughs> they look beautiful just anyway, sitting in your garage they'll be looking beautiful sitting up on the um, for sale <laughs> rack <laughs> a little bit used that was that was second hand anyway based on that I tried and I don't review the same brand of product uh, two shows in a row guys but it just so happened that a, a set of uh, I got my fitting kit for Cobra the King Cobra irons King Cobra Tech Irons, in fact, and um, I tried one of those in my specs again, and uh, that was something special. It was beautiful. I'll tell you about that a bit later on. Guys, lot to talk about, and we'll be right back to talk more. Gary, let's have a quick chat about the Scottish Opens. Just finished. Xander Schofle showed some great form. Um, he has been showing some terrific form this year. Needs to win a major. Can he win next week at the British Open? He shot seven under par, one by one shot from Kurt Katayama. Jeong Kim, minus five. Patrick Cantlay, Tommy Fleetwood, minus four. What did you make of Xander Schofle's effort? And the prelim for the British Open really isn't the Scottish Open. Look, obviously he can win the British Open. I think Phil's the only one to win the Scottish and the British, so odds are against it. But I think with Xander, looking at his golf the last four or five years, it's it's been he's had an amazing amount of high finishes in big championships. There was a question of him getting it done. He 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 didn't have that many wins up for the quality of player that he is, but He's won three times this year, so clearly he's figured out how to get it done, how to um, how to play good golf right at the right time. I think that looking at um, his game for St Andrews, obviously he's got a complete game. There's no doubt about that. Clearly um, he's in control of his emotional, physical, and I think the course will definitely suit him. It's just whether you can back it up again. Good to see Tommy Fleetwood back in the mix. There, he just three shots back. Uh, I, I rate him as a as a striker and as a player and as a bloke. I mean, his golf swing. You you know more about golf swings than just about oh, anyone. Anyway. Look, he he's he's world class. I think St Andrews. Obviously, he'd know that place. And as as we were talking about before, it's definitely a strategic golf course. There's noted about it that you need to know know your way around there, navigate your way 
around those bunkers, control your ball in the breeze. He's got every element, and he, he's a champion guy. Like Xander, you know, my experiences with Xander, he's just a genuinely great, great guy. So I think that Tommy... You know, I, I like Louis though. There, there's, there's a dark horse. I like, yeah, I like we, Louis. We've, we've, we've gone off the Scottish Open to the British Open, which is good. That's where we were heading. Um, I just before we get to that, guys, um, uh, uh, Fitzpatrick, Matty Fitzpatrick, a great event here in the Scottish Open. Great to see him still in good form and not suffering any, you know, winning the US Open hangovers. He's clearly still in good shape. He did hit a um, a bit of a Hillary swank, and we'll talk about that a bit later. <laughs> Didn't he? I don't know whether you saw it on the first on the first hole. He drove it left into the thick, and he had to look like he was going to try and pitch it, punch it out with a bit of hook around the tree. There's only one tree on the left hand side of the first at the Renaissance Club, and he was behind it um, and hit a hit a clean shank, and it bounced off a, a pole of one of the sponsor signs, went back onto the fringe of the green. Greatest bounce in history, and I think he made four. But we'll talk about that in a second. But it's just, just good to know that he's still, he's not just hanging up his clubs for the rest of the year and, and bathing in the US Open glory and still there. So British Open, um, St Andrews, the golf course is going to be braked. It's going to be playing a lot shorter, but a lot trickier. They've made some changes. It's just 7,300 yards long. I didn't realise it was that long. They have obviously lengthened it, but it won't play anything like that, obviously, with the baked hard conditions. You just mentioned Xander Schofle, who has the game to play uh, to win, obviously. In those conditions, he's just done it. He also ran yeah. second to Molinari at Carnoustie in similar conditions. Gary, you were there for that tournament. Mm. I remember you telling me about that. Well, I think we interviewed you when you were over there. Yeah, that was that was amazingly fast, that event at Carnoustie. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe just the different type of golf that you had to play. Like landing, you, you could have 190 yards and you could be hitting a pitching wedge mm. and it, it bouncing up like 60 yards to get to the green. To get to some of those pins, you really need to be artistic. You need to have a, a, a very, 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 very resourceful game. And I think that's what the British Open brings. It it definitely brings out the smarts in a player. And it's not always the golf that we, we see often on the TV, but that's what makes it such a special event. The Americans are playing it well, though. Jordan Spieth, the, the British Open champions over the last few years, has been some... Some great uh, tournaments, you know, played by the Americans, and their shot making seems to be improving dramatically, as opposed to what it used to be, maybe in the seventies and eighties, where the Americans just decided they just wanted to play in the U.S. Tour only, hit the ball a hundred miles in the air, stop it like throwing darts on a soft green, soft fairways. But they seem to be adapting. We can see it with uh, with Xander's last week, Patrick Cantlay's finish, um, and lots of Americans in the mix. Um, so if, if you were to pick someone who could win the British Open, I mean, I'll give you a couple. I'll give you two choices. Well, I, I was thinking Jordan. Jordan Spieth. You mentioned him. And I was thinking Louis, because Louis's playing great golf. Louis won round there before. And as we said, it's definitely a, a, a course knowledge. I think mm. t- Tiger, like the Masters, like at Augusta, even though he's literally playing on one leg, he still will be able to navigate his way around that place with his course smarts. And that's where the quality of these players comes out. It's it's their, it's the insights they have, where they leave themselves best access to certain pins. And over seventy two holes, you can't sort of hide. Um, and their their management, their preparation, is at a premium. Some interesting. I'm just mentioning there Americans who played well last week. There's uh, also a mixture of them that played quite badly. Or we talked about this is the Scottish Open, of course. The, the draw was um, very much a one-sided draw in terms of, um, I think it was, was it early, late? Yeah, early, 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 late got the got the advantage. Yep. And that's something that I did notice at the British Open. I'm sure you've noticed the British Open. You can get a, you can get a 6.30 tea time mm. and a 4.20 tea time. And <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is, extra- it is the case, isn't it? It is extraordinary. Yeah, like I, I was at Troon with Matt one year and he had a one twenty tee time. So we were out there getting ready and you could see the players coming down 18 and it was beautifully, it was sunny, there was no wind. And then by the time Matt got to his tee time at 20 past two, he's got like two jumpers on, rain jacket on, you could hardly stand up. And that that side of the draw was just so brutal in the fact that, you know, you think, is it fair, is it unfair? And that's just, that's the British Open. So a draw, like at the Scottish Open, it does have a big impact. But I think that looking at those players that missed the cut 
the Scottish Open, like Zalatoris, Morikawa, Thomas, had quite big numbers. It just looked to me that they were probably struggling with the speed of the greens, and they were also, those guys coming over a little jet-lagged. But no excuse, Sanders still coming over there. He still wins the golf tournament. So, look, ultimately, better players will come out in the end, but that draw does, does and can have a big impact. It's interesting that they still have the one-two start. I know it's a major, I know it's traditional, I know it's heritage, and I know it's the British Open, but isn't it about time they change that? Is it, was it, would it not be fairer to have 2 two start where it is a definite morning, afternoon? Oh, it definitely would be. It definitely would be. But I suppose, too, the, a lot of the British Open courses, the way they're configured, it's not always that that yeah, 1 yeah, and 10 yeah. tee are going to be in an ideal spot either. And then the turnaround. So, look, in it, fact, it's an Andrews. It's about four <laughs> kilometres away, isn't it? Yeah, you can't get, you get there by oh, no. boat, can't you? We can't nine, drive nine holes out, nine holes back. Yeah, of course. Okay, guys. So, your winners of the British Open 2022 um, are, again, I'm thinking Jordan. Yep. And I'm thinking Louis. And. Ooh, I gave you two, mate. You're going to go three, are you? Okay, two. Okay, no, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, go with those two. I'll go with those two. I'm happy with that. Okay. I'm happy with that. I wanted Jordan as well, so I'm going to have him because it's my name on the front of the show. Okay. You're, you're, it's yep. Larry and Gary. Yeah, I know that. I, I know where I'm placed. I know um, where I'm placed. Just get used to it. And um, I'm going to go Tommy Fleetwood. I like the way Tommy's playing. That's I would have gone Matt Fitzpatrick had he not have won the US Open. I think it's a bit of a stretch to think he could win both in the space of a few weeks. So Tommy Fleetwood's in good form. So there it is, uh, listeners. You can judge Gary and I based on what I've just said there in terms of um, who's the most important. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. We'll be back after this. We'll be talking about your live American golf experience. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. Gary, it's the news, isn't it, at the moment? The current talking point in the game of golf, along with the fact that we're about to enter into a British Open, is live golf. Greg Mm. Norman's baby, Saudi Arabian money-backed. You've been to London. You did the, the London tournament, the first of. You were impressed with how that was run. We were talking after the, our last show about the reaction the Americans might have when it goes to America. And now, you've just been there, Portland, Oregon, the Pumpkin Ridge Golf Course. Can you tell us, first of all, the, the, your first impressions as you arrived there? Were there some American protesting? Were there some, was there some bad vibes coming, or did you see any of that? What's yeah, it? look, obviously the, the London event was, you, you could call it like a soft opening. It was um, not that threatening. It was very well received. It was a great, great tournament. But going to the States, there was definitely some anticipation there mm. because of that climate of the, would there be protesting? Wouldn't there be protesting? How are the general public going to receive the event? Was there going to be spectators? It was a great golf course, Pumpkin Ridge. Tiger won a US amateur there. A really quality golf course. The course looked sensational on TV. It looked like a it was really it was golf it was phenomenal. It was the condition of it was incredible. Like I'm I'm walking down the fairways in the practice round, just thinking to myself, it's it's almost not real. Mm. The the presentation of it, and it was set up like a proper. It was almost like a major. Yeah, the the every part of your game was examined around there. But the good news was that went pretty much unscathed. The event was well run. Uh, they couldn't even get everyone in there on the last day as far as spectators as went. So the the it was definitely well received. As far as protesting was going, there was one one morning outside the players' hotel, there might have been three people there with a couple of cardboard boxes with, um, you know, Saudi money or something scribbled on them, but they were quickly moved on. There, that, and that was pretty much it. It was the members of the club received it well tournament went off without a hitch so it was good for me to see because I, I definitely when I was flying over there I was thinking to myself you know what's going to transpire here to Portland Oregon yeah yeah well, like, which is where mate I haven't got a clue um, I just I just got off the plane at LA and it was two hours <laughs> it was it was it was it was two hours and I, I was sort of like I was sort of like nodding off like dribbling in in you know row 79c economy yeah so um it's the other side yeah. of live golf <laughs> have you seen a private jet that there's photos of the private jet i saw in? i saw it so it wasn't that one no i thought there's no way the coaches are um are invited onto that i can tell you that <laughs> interesting look the caddies were on there though i think that the caddies still getting spoiled aren't they, are they the, cad- the caddies are i think the i think the caddies are getting their percentages paid um 
I leave golf. I yeah, think okay. Uh, I can't confirm that, but that's what I've been told. So right. And, yeah. and Matt's experience there. Matt, sorry, and Blake Windred, your two players there. Matt yeah, Jones. so Matt, Matt, Matt played all right. I think he finished tied fifteenth or sixteenth. Mm-hmm. He led the ball striking the first two days, but he putted miserably. He's uh, got to find another coach, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. He's Blake. Been, I'm expecting a call. Yeah, and unfortunately for Blake, his clubs didn't turn up. So, oh so, no, really? Yeah. So you know, and that happens in the life of a tour pro. I think Uline, Swartzel, Wade Ormsby, their clubs didn't turn up from London. And um, and Blake, being a rookie, you know, was just relying on the yeah, the intel from the airline, from his management. Yeah, your clubs are coming, your clubs are coming. But the other older, more experienced guys, they just ring up their club manufacturers and send yeah, me a new set. Yeah, so yeah. they they had they had replacement sets within twenty four hours. And Blake Blake didn't get his original set till probably the afternoon before the event. <sighs> so. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. So, what know, did he do? Did he, he was lit- he, he was literally walking around um, with a couple of irons that that mattered mattered lent him in the practice round, and he was doing his best to have a couple of putts, a couple of chips, and then yeah, it was it was just unfortunate for him. Uh, but that's it, you know he he went he went out the first day had had he had seven over par, which obviously put him at the back, and then he he finished. Not too badly after mm, that, so. Mm. But ultimately, good experience for him. Any word on will he get a start in the next event? How he's no, going he's he's not in. He's not in. That that's his. He got the first two starts. Right. Obviously, with new players coming in, and um, Matt Wolf played. Yep. The, yep. That was that was his. Um, and Bryson played. Brooks played. Mm, so it's pretty mm. pretty exciting to get those players. Dustin. There's no doubt about it. That's a. It's it. It has the feel to me. Of a you know really good quality invitational field at the mm, moment, mm. and the money they're playing for is extraordinary. I think in time the teams event will grow some traction, and we'll see. Yeah, it's lacking there from from a from my standpoint watching it on TV. Yeah, it's definitely lacking the team aspect, and it should be pushed. And but it, it it's difficult to support a team when it could change. Next yeah, I, yeah. I think I think at the moment it, it's it's more like a process of seeing seeing how it goes. They're pretty much stacked, the teams are at the moment, like the South Africans, the Americans, mm, mm. the, you know, w- the the teams are pretty loaded. But as next year's schedule, they're looking at 14 events. They're looking at having one here in Australia in March. Oh, really? So where that will be at, we don't know. But they're going to have a, an event in South Africa. So it's it's definitely... They'll they'll capture some more players after the British Open. That's a that's and the a, FedEx that, Cup. That's an exclusive, guys. Uh, that, that I'm it's sure. That, Australia that, March. Yeah, that's uh, that's the word. That's that's what's going to happen. Uh, so what's going to happen? Do you know? That yeah, for sure? we, they'll just have to find a venue. Wow. And it'll be up to I'm sure there'll be phone calls, and then then there'll be the debate whether certain golf clubs will want mm. the events or not. So. Mm. We'll this, see what happens. Trump, What's his Trump, face? Trump doesn't own any down here, does he? Does no, that? but I think logically you'd look at maybe courses that are owned by, when we say privately owned, like not not sort of so much a member's golf club. Mm, mm. We don't know. We don't yeah. know. But we'll see. Wow. That's, that's, that's big news. You've taken me back with that. You haven't. You've just sprung it on me now. That's, wow. Um, yeah. Where do I, I don't know what to say now, Gaz. I'm still. I'm oh, still well, just shows, it, just, it just shows that the tour, the Whoa. tour is is definitely I'd got. Be, yeah. They've got some plans, and I know that will happen next year. So, it'd be pretty good. New players? Any word on who might be jumping? I haven't. I haven't heard. I just. I just. All I heard that after the British Open, after the FedEx Cup, maybe maybe some other big names mm. may come, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So you're heading to the next one, which is where? It's at Bedminster. In, 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 in Yeah, in New York. So, so. Oh, you know where New York is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's a Trump. That's a that's Trump's that's Trump's course. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be nothing. Will be spared in that event. I'm sure. Are you, are you going to that? Yep. Okay. Yep. Are you going um, to all of them? All eight? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. So we'll see. But I'm going to. The, I know I'm going to this one. So just just quickly on Matt, um, ball striking led the stats in the first two rounds. So clearly his game's in good shape. Putting an issue, 
Um, he hasn't putted well for a while. Yeah, that, that is interesting, isn't but it? But I was actually thinking about it. it. Not many guys become better putters over 40, do they? If you yeah, think about okay. it logically. Yep. Like a lot of them go to the claw, a lot of them go cross-handed, a lot of them go to long putter. Mm, yeah. uh, so, you know, Matt, Matt's still traditional, still still grinding away, and we're always trying to find something. But the stroke, stroke's good. Reading, no, he, he looks, he looks, he looks great. But he yeah. does that, look beautiful with a putter. But that, but that, that it's that that belief when you when you're a golfer and you've got that putt and you've got a fifteen footer and it's on a a side hill lie. There's that there's that belief. The artistic element it's it's there's so many nuances to putting and in the end you see jordan struggle for a couple of years in his mm, putting mm, mm. you know and and often they'll find it and they'll get it back sometimes they won't but we'll see thank you guys we're going to be back after this break with a really interesting interview with luke adams from Playfair golf the backspin interview thanks to inside golf like we said gary we're talking to luke adams ceo of Playfair golf and goods and they just opened their first studio in ranwick luke is on the phone with us g'day luke g'day larry how are you good thanks mate it's an extraordinary website i'm looking at here gary sitting next to me has been to this place he's had a little bit to do with setting it up so he knows a lot more about it than i the website is phenomenal you can see the technology that you've got in there you can also see the history so you, you, you're embracing the heritage of the game and it's very art deco and i just love that term because i didn't think of it earlier i was trying to work out a word for how <laughs> my visuals and i couldn't that's, and, that's and, been and for you andy our producer actually came up with art deco but so i'm just going to fess up to everyone that it's not mine it's andy's but art deco is uh, is definitely a feature there how did it start luke how did you get into the game for a start and how did this come about first of all larry thank you very much for having me on today and Andy's definitely on the money. Um, so we, we can get into a little bit of the branding. He needs no more encouragement than that. That's fine. Just leave it right there, Luke. In terms of sort of the concept and where it originated from, I'd spent the last 11 years living in the United States, in California, and always just played the occasional round or would go to the driving range with some friends. But if I look back at, at sort of how I thought about golf then, I was very apprehensive towards it. And whenever I'd see the corporate golf days come through, or groups of friends going away for, for golf trips, I would try and avoid it. And that's because I just didn't have the comfort in around how to play the game. Pandemic hit, and I was working at, at a technology company called Roku um, at the time, and said to my boss, I'm going to go back to Australia for a while until we see what sort of happens and how this COVID pandemic is going to play out. So I was back in Sydney and working US time zone, which meant that I finished at 11 a.m. every morning. So sort of golf being one of the activities that you know people were able to, to sort of embrace during the pandemic, I thought this was the perfect time to try and learn the game. So I went down to the golf club, had a few lessons, and for whatever reason, it just wasn't working for me. What I just found was that it was great during the lesson. As soon as I'd come back by myself after the fact, I'd really struggle with trying to recall the information, particularly in the way that it was delivered to me, to make it all sort of make sense. So this sort of went on and on. And, and I said to my coach, you know, I have three months before I go back to America, so I can dedicate all the time, energy, resources that you need me to, to be able just to get me around the course. And sort of just was not on offer. So I was, was unable to find someone that could sort of help me do that. So I looked around a few different places in Sydney and then found some of the technology. So the TrackMan launch monitor at an indoor facility, that's sort of where it started making sense to me. Just being able to have the data in real time with the coach explaining that to me, just helping me with the muscle memory. So that sort of triggered off a few different ideas and sort of started learning the game and obviously got the bug. Just really wanted to, to get better. And then at the time, just out of coincidence, I was working out of my business partner's office and he has a creative agency called Present Company. And Present Company at the time were doing work for Golf Digest and sort of just looking at some of the macro trends and, and doing some research. And we could see that there were, there were some things happening across the board. So whether that be culturally, different players getting into the game, the growth of off-course or off-site golf through the likes of Top Golf and entertainment stuff. And obviously the pandemic fueling all this, we thought that there was something going on. So myself coming from, a, I guess, a student of the game and then Marty Worth at present company, who's now my business partner, 
coming from a sort of a more research perspective. A third person involved in the business is my brother, Nicholas Adam. He's the golfer. So between the three of us, we just thought there was something happening. And fast forward a couple of years, a lot of hard work behind the scenes um, and the building of this concept. And then an introduction to Gary Barter from a golf expert perspective. We came up with this concept that is now Playfair Golf and Goods. And the ethos of the place is to, to essentially make golf more accessible. Um, so we just found that, you know, whether it be time, whether it be equipment, whether it be member of a club, whether it be location, whether it be clothing, all those sorts of stuff that were kind of leaving a lot of people on the sidelines. And so we wanted to create an environment that was warm and welcoming where we were taking best-in-class technology with the industry-leading coaches headed up by Gary to provide an environment and an experience that allowed people to get better at golf or learn the game. So whether you've never picked up a club before or whether you are at the elite level, we have a place for you guys, you know, for, for everyone to come and achieve what they want to achieve. Luke, I'm looking at um, the, the website again and seeing a lot of beautiful young people on that website. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find a place. I, I can't see a 63-year-old overweight, broken-down old golf pro on any of these pages. <laughs> is, is there a place for uh, someone like that? Because I might know someone like that. There definitely is. It's funny, you know, we've only been open for a couple of weeks, but, you know, we've had three-year-olds come in and swing clubs all the way through to eight- and five-year-olds come through and, and take some lessons. Definitely is a, an all-encompassing environment. So if you've got any people or pros that you think would be interested, please send them our way. One of the quotes I see on the website here, Luke, is provide a new experience beyond traditional golf. Now, by that and what I'm seeing on the website, you're embracing the heritage of the game as well as offering a slightly varied version of the game to pretty well everyone, aren't you? The heritage thing is getting my eye. It's, a, it's interesting on the website how many old golf clubs and golf bags and things are in the back shots of some of these photos. Yeah, Larry, I think that's a really important point you make. And, and for us, it is leaning into the heritage of the game, the game that we all love. And there's elements of that that we really wanted to embrace. And the way that we see Playfair is that it's a complement to your weekend golf or your midweek golf or your competition golf. These days, not everyone just has enough time to be able to dedicate you know, a couple of hours out of your day to, to go to the club or go to the range. We want to provide a really easy, seamless experience where people can come in, hit some balls for sort of 30 minutes to 60 minutes, get that immediate feedback work with one of our industry-leading pros, be able to track your progression, tap into all the technology so that you can actually get better and be able to do that in an efficient manner that's enjoyable because just from a personal experience, by being able to do that, when I do go and play golf, it just makes it a better time all around because I know that I'm getting better. So we definitely see ourselves as complementary to on-course or, or traditional golf from how we position ourselves. And hopefully that comes through the brand with some of the imagery, the other branding that you would have seen on, on the website or through social media. Luke, it's Gary, mate. How are you? Good, Gary. How are you? Good, mate. What I like about it is that it's a great experience to go down to the studio. And I think that it can be confronting for people to embark on golf tuition. Just that one-on-one that -on -one experience where people can shy away from. There's normally a process of... I'll go and hit some balls. They might dive in and get a golf lesson, but it's not something that someone can feel that comfortable with. But I think the the facility, it definitely eases that connection between the, the student and the pro. And I think also, too, in that environment, the technology and the simulators, it really bridges that gap of learning and playing and being able to see in real time your ball flight and then get some connection with going out and playing the game as well. Totally. And I think, you know, when we originally sat down and, and we're talking through the concept, just that first point on making sure that everyone felt welcome. And for us, it's all about growing the game. It was really important. So that, that's been considered the whole way through the design of the studio, you know, all the materials that we've used. And then with the technology, it's, it's a fine line to not overburden someone because it can be quite a lot. There's a lot of information. And obviously that comes with the, the expertise of the likes of yourself and the rest of the team that we've assembled to be able to pinpoint exactly what is needed and then the diagnosis of using the tech 
so that they can actually do that and have tangible results. So in terms of, of the golf offering, we obviously have a big focus on the coaching. So Gary overseeing the programming and then Brett Jones is the director of golf for the, for the studio um, and then underneath him five other PGA certified pros. Specialised club fitting, obviously equipment, there's putting diagnostic tools. Is there alcohol involved? Yeah, so I'd say from a from some of the social stuff, we have social play as one of the offerings, and so that could just be playing a round of golf with up to four people in one of the bays, or just working on your game. But community is a huge part of what we're we're creating, and, and that sense of, of being comfortable and belonging. And you know, we want people to hang out and use the space like it's theirs. Um, and so, you can have a drink. We're sort of you know, from an alcohol perspective, but it's not the core focus. And I think some of the other indoor offerings are a little bit more tailored towards that whereas we see you know you're there to, to play golf and enjoy that and if you want to have a drink to sort of enhance that experience that's that's what we offer but you know we're we're, we're getting a lot of interest and in inbound from from events um so whether that be corporates or or just groups that that want to come and use the space for instance we had a the 70th birthday there yesterday. Cafe, food, drink offering, retail, more of the modern day retail. And when we say that, lifestyle brands that you can wear on and off the course from the likes of Melbourne, um, Rada, Manners, White Golf, some of the more up and coming brands, but then also the traditional stuff that so Gary mentioned, full club fitting, putting analysis. We've got a, a sand bunker and five putting cups. So yeah, hopefully a pretty wide ranging, I guess an offering that caters to, to everyone's golfing needs. An indoor bunker. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's like the road hole bunker at St Andrews. Is it? Mm. The greenskeeper that we have is loving that because <laughs> enjoying, you know, the sand splash on, onto the green every day. Speaking of heritage, Luke, I've got uh, a little jar, this is highly illegal, a little jar of sand, Gary, that uh, someone's borrowed mm. from the road bunker with a jar. And got it through customs. Yeah, got it through customs. This guy, he was like 78 or something, five or something years old, an ex-war veteran. Um, he was a pilot. Um, and I'm whispering so no one can hear. And I've got it sitting on my desk at home. A little, little jar of uh, Sandra, sand from, Sandra from, from, from the road bunker. No, Sandra, no. She wouldn't dare. Okay. She'd throw me at first. She'd keep that. <laughs> I don't know where that fits into the conversation, Luke. I'm sorry I've thrown you off the scent there. No, I like it. <laughs> Thank you, Luke, for being on the show. It's a fascinating look on the website. I'm definitely heading there. The address uh, of the studio? That's 22 to 24, Belmore Road, Randwick. And the hours it's open? Up the road from the race course there. And, yep. um, hours are opening uh, 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. Monday to Friday, and then 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. Saturday, 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. on Sunday. It sounds fantastic. Thanks, Luke, for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to more uh, more, more stories. This is a special thing you're doing, and we're, and we're bringing more golfers to the game. Gary and I are big fans of that. Thank you, mate. Yeah, Thanks, love Luke. Love it. Thanks, bro. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys later. Backspin. Spin, spin. Club review, guys. King Cobra Tech Irons. There are two. There's King Cobra Tech and there's King Cobra Tech X Irons. Now, these are hollow, and we're getting used to that now. We, there was, it was kind of groundbreaking two or three, four years ago. And I forget who was the first. Maybe Callaway or Titleist might have been the first to, to have the hollow golf club. Um, and it's basically a, it's a cavity-back golf club that just is enclosed at the back instead of, instead of um, open and, and has a buffer in it, uh, some resin, some kind of um, soft material inside the head that softens the, the feel when you hit it, so it makes sounds like a, a forged golf club. This one is actually forged. But the, the difference with, with this particular one, the, the, the King Cobra Forged Tech, was it, was it looked like a blade. It had every, all the characteristics of a blade golf club. I've actually got, in my current set of, of Srixons, I've got three, four, five, and six iron, all hollow, Mm. Um, so aesthetically, they're nice. Yeah, the the Strixon ones. Uh, then I've got seven through wedge and just normal, uh, because I'm, at our age, at my age, yeah. I'm struggling just to get the thing up in the air. You know, I, I don't want to use really soft shafts because it'll spin too much. I want to launch it higher. Mm. Um, and the new new ball is really hard to get up in the air. So I've gone down that went down that path with Strixon, and, and, it, and it's worked a treat. But they're they're offset. They do look like a, a cavity golf club. Um, and the offset worries me because when I get to the seven iron, there's little to no offset. So I, I, I'm looking at something that doesn't have that. Um, and, and whilst for me, um, offset is just a, it's a personal choice. I don't like the, the, the face leading back that much. 
for for ninety percent of the people we're talking to, it is the way to go. Mm. So that's that's just my personal preference. Don't don't assume that Strixon that that Strixon product I'm talking about is. I don't like it because of the offset. I love them. I just the offset is just a little bit of concern for me. So these don't have that. The King Crobbers. Uh, the one I tried was the X, um, which is incredibly strong lofts. I mean these lofts like just a twenty one degree five iron goes. So it scared the living daylights out of me when so I was So 21 degree 5 iron five would be iron. like a traditional 2 iron. 2 iron, yeah, slash, three, yeah, 2 iron, not even a 3 iron. I don't think it's, a, I think a 3 iron would mm. have been more, a 1 degree more than that. Mm. I reckon I've had 2 irons, 20, yeah. 21. The thing we have to understand, the fact that w- when you've got this much weight down low and back away from the face, the ball just launches straight up in the air. Now, if you don't, if you take a standard five iron, let's say it's now about twenty six degrees, and you put this tech that this that's in this golf club, this King Cobra club, into a standard five iron, it will just go like a wedge. Mm. It'll go a long way, but it'll just go straight through the roof. So that's why they de-loft them. It's not because they're trying to. It's not marketing to try and make you feel like your five iron's now going you know way further. Well, it does. It's to offset the amount of uh, the center of gravity in the moment of inertia in the club. So. You have they have to do it, but it just shows how much effect moving the weight back and low has on on dynamic loft. Twenty one degree five and anyway, it was it was a little too strong for me in terms of it was coming out like a three iron, um, but with the length of it was a five iron. I was a bit confused with what I'd be when I get um, you know maybe five, six, or seven down into that area. I'd be thinking, well, I've got to go back a, at least a club, maybe more. Don't think. And and it's well if if, I, if I don't I'm losing the nut over the over the back of the green in, in wheat I mean I'm playing at Mount Broughton so you don't want to hit it too too much over the back of the green there um, so it, it concerned me a little bit but there is another one as I said the King Forged um, Tech not the X has much more generous lofts and and I can hit those I feel I can hit those the length I need to hit them um, because Look, it, it gets down to a personal choice doesn't it. Well, we, because the, I'm trying and to... And everyone has different impact conditions. I'm trying not to decelerate. I'm trying to accelerate through the The feel ball. off the face is amazing. Oh, yeah, the beautiful yeah, feel. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. That's, that's With the, the sponge thing. stuff inside. That's the thing we were talking about off air. You were, you were stunned how just that ball club face interaction was so It's so springy. Nice. It's definitely springy. Yeah, like a rebound. The reason I went to these is because I, I, I think I mentioned on the um, in the intro that I have tried a beautiful set of Honmar blades... Um, and I tried them on a on a sort of a cold, miserable, wet day, and I miss hit a couple. I hit, I hit a Hillary, um, and it was it was humiliating. And I had the the, the the club captain right next to me watching me hitting these things. And I happened to say to him, he came into the shop, and he cancelled his lesson. Oh, no, no, like, he didn't have a lesson. I just said, look, mate, I, I've got to go. He came into the shop to talk about some business. And I said, look, I've got to go. I've got I've got, to, I've got a ten minute gap. I'm going to get rush up and hit. Some balls of these new clubs. He's oh, new clubs. I'll come up and have a look. And I've gone, oh no. Anyway, it was it was pretty painful. And then I had another crack with him when it was a better day, and I was on my own. And you know, I yeah, I got the odd beautiful looking shape shot. But when I hit these cobras, it was just so much easier to hit. Um, and I could, and I reckon I could, when I get the right ones, I can control the distance they go and the height really nicely. So, so the so the off center hits felt better. Way better. Honma. Way yeah. better. Yeah, same, same spec, same shaft, same length, same low angle. Uh, and the head, for all intents and purposes, just looks like a nice blade. Slightly larger, but just a you know, good-looking golf stick with not a lot of offset. So I, I love the look. It was just, you know, when I hit an 8-9, it was just it was crazy how far I went. So I, then I started to decelerate to try and hit dif- different distances, and it didn't, wasn't working. So the, uh, more loft than these will be gold. So it, it have, give, the, give them a try. The King Forged Tech Irons or King Forged X Tech Irons, if you want a bit more distance with your irons, they're definitely worth a try. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Yeah, tip, guys. Hitting shots, and not necessarily drives uh, or long stuff, just any sort of shot into the wind. Now, we saw in the Scottish Open, the wind got up, looked like around about 40k. Hmm. And it's a very exposed golf course. And we saw, I saw a couple of mistakes, one in particular, and it involved a caddy um, interaction with Jordan Spieth. Uh, it, Michael Geller, his caddy, was uh, was telling him, um, was I think it was a 140-odd yard par three, into the wind, uh, and Geller was saying, this is the right club, and, and Jordan was saying, I cannot get within 10 metres or 10 yards with this club, it's wrong. He, he, Geller convinced him, and as soon as he hit it, 
He looked straight at Geller and said, see, I told you, it's not going to get there. And it did. It got there. Um, but the, but the, the issue for me watching it was how reliant um, Jordan is. On, and Jordan's one of, the, one of the pure ball strikers in terms of he can manipulate the ball, can't he? Mm. He can work it. But yet here he is, 140 yards, and, he's, and his caddy has to convince him of the actual club to hit, not the actual shot. But there's a, there's a there's a shot that require you you have to take a slightly different swing at a at a, at a, at a short iron in particular when you're going into a forty k wind, not just yeah, a case it, of just it, grabbing I, the club. I always, I always find that fascinating when the the player will be on the tee and they'll say to the caddy, "Where's the wind coming from?" And I'll think to myself, "Well, you know, you're the player. Mm. Surely you can see where the wind's coming from." And then it's um, the player will go, "Are you happy with this?" You have, and obviously the caddy has that. Um, more unemotional component to selecting a club or a shot, you know, and giving that advice to the player just on the numbers they've taken and and the wind direction that they've they've calculated or the wind strength they've calculated. And yeah, you you would think Jordan deep down would know he's the one hitting the golf ball. But he could he could have hit four or five, four different clubs. Yeah. To that, yeah. so it, it, to me, it's not just it's 140 or it's playing 160. So it's two more clubs. Still hit it flat out with spin, yeah, and it'll go up in the air. And yeah, look, it just gets down to at that point. It's just that innate feel yeah. for hitting the shot. And I know they try to do it through science, but ultimately, as you said, there's probably four or five tra- different trajectories or clubs they could choose to mm. hit that shot. So Geller handled it pretty well. At yeah. the end, I mean, if that some of my caddies, my mates who were doing it for nothing for me, they were getting ten percent of nothing. And if that, if I'd have, if they'd have talked me into a club, and I, and I, as soon as I hit it, I would have started saying, "No, nah, it's wrong." And it mm. turned out right. I'd have finished up wearing one of those clubs in a place that look. It's a tough gig. Would have really. It's a tough. Hurt. It's a tough gig. The caddies. <laughs> it's a tough gig. It's all money relevant, though. Oh. I said my caddies were getting two schooners. I think if I've played well, I might get three schooners at the okay. end of the round. Um. So, Into the Wind, Gary. Uh, my thoughts on going into the wind when I was playing the tour, different, obviously, to now because we're using different equipment and the ball spun a lot more. But I still believe the element, there's an element here where if, if the wind is that strong and you're 100, and let's, let's use that 140 yards out, well, 130, we'll call it 130 metres. Yeah. 140 something yards. And you, the, the wind is that strong, it's not a case of picking the club that hits the ball another 30 metres longer because it, it'll be totally ineffective and it will spiral up in the air mm. and whatever side spin is on that thing, it's just going to go sideways. Um, you have to play a different shot. Now, when when you talk to someone off a 25 handicap, you've got to play the shot differently. They'll say, well, I'm just struggling just to get the club on the ball to make it hit. But the same guy, the way I would explain it to the to the 25 marker would be, you can hit a, you can hit a wedge 50 metres, right? You mm. can probably hit a wedge 100. Yeah. But you can hit a wedge 50 as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, I can you, try you to. You can hit yeah. a wedge 10. Yeah. Well, 50 might re- it might require some kind of swing, mm. you know, a bit of a half a back swing. If if, if I replace that wedge, if I took you on a, on a practice field, I took that wedge out of your hand and gave you a, 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 a five on and said, now hit that 100 metres or, or 70 metres or something. Um, that's the swing, and, and, they, and I'm sure they can do it. That's the swing I would suggest that you hit, you use, uh, when you're playing that same 140 yard yeah, shot. Yeah, so into you're, the gov- you're governing your backswing. You, the backswing through the through it's the softer hit, Gary. It's, it's less clubhead speed, softer hit. It is, and uh, it, it, a lot of people say I'll grip down on the club. I, I don't like that because yeah. that changes the the characteristics of the golf club. It makes the shaft stiffer, the head lighter, and it might yeah, upset well, I you. Think, you, you. I think you what, yeah, what what I like that you said there is that I think Julius Boris was famous for saying when it's breezy, swing easy. Mm. And that is very, very difficult for a, usually a non-skilled player when they're in that such a strong wind to actually go the opposite. Exactly. And uh, swing a little bit shorter, a little bit softer, but that will produce a lower flight, less spin, and the wind really won't... Like Peter Lonard made a career on mm. that ball flight. It was so. It's a it's a very very good way to practice as well. It's, it, it's achievable, Gary. That's the yeah. point I'm making. It's mm. achievable for 25 miles. Exactly. If they can hit a wedge 50 meters, they can hit a five iron. Yeah, and, you, and, at 50, and, you, and it'll go 100. And you can make slight adjustments that aren't that difficult. You could narrow your stance. You can put the ball back a fraction mm. of your stance, mm. as you would with a wedge. Exactly. You know, and, and obviously then 
you know, you can coming you're coming into the shot without seeing technical. You're, you're slightly de-lofting the club. The shaft's a bit more forward, mm, mm. but it's still. But essentially, the club is moving slower, so the ball will come out flatter with not a lot of spin, exactly. and it will penetrate that. Exactly, wing. exactly. I've actually hit a ball backwards. Um, What's well, that's, that's an my trainer and I went yeah well, the wind was that so we, we we had a crack we hit a wedge up in the air that high that to see if we could get it going backwards and, and we could do it the harder you hit it you know with with a lean back and, and get it up in the air you could actually <laughs> hit it backwards so <laughs> I'm not even sure why I'm making that point but I, I felt like I had to you know put well I suppose that's, sh- that's showing how how inefficient it can be yeah that that's exactly mm. what I'm saying yeah this is backspin it's time for a spit guys. <laughs> And we're coming from slightly different angles here. You are much more on top of live golf than I am. Obviously, you've been there for the first two events and you'll, you'll be continuing to go by the sound of it. But just this week, and we're talking about the eve of the British Open, Greg Norman was told by St Andrews, Martin Slumbers, the guy that runs the RNA, not to turn up for the British Open this week because in his words, and this is a quote, in response to inquiries regarding the RNA celebration of Champions Field and the Champions Dinner, we can confirm that we contacted Greg Norman to advise him that we decided not to invite him to attend on this occasion, the RNA said in a statement. The 450th Open is an extremely important milestone for golf and we want to ensure that the focus remains on celebrating the championship and its heritage. Unfortunately, we do not believe... That would be the case if Greg were to attend. We hope that when circumstances allow, Greg will be allowed, able to attend again in the future. Now, of course, Greg Norman wouldn't take something like this just lying down. He said it's petty. I would have thought the RNA would have stayed above it, all given their position in world golf, he said. Your view, Gaz, when I initially put this to you, it was... Uh, I didn't like it. Didn't I, like I, the RNA doing it. No, I didn't like it. Like, he's two-time British Open champion, number one player, 330-odd weeks in a row, which is only second to Tiger Woods in the history of the sport or since the world rankings have taken place. And I think such a big event, him being such a big part of golf for such a long time, many, many of those players playing the Open would have seen Norman, been wanting to be like Norman... And this journey that Greg's on and with the tour that he's on, I'm sure I agree with him. I think uh, they should have looked above that and just celebrated him being there as part of his, and also his involvement in European golf when he was a younger player as well. Did you not, did you not see this coming? Did you, would, if you were the I, know, I can I can understand it. Like, obviously, as you and I spoke, I, I, I can understand it, but I'm sure... Greg could have limited his interviews. Uh, you know that that wouldn't be hard to do. It's pretty pretty easy. He, he he could have gone there. He could have played the exhibition. I saw the exhibition last time at St Andrews. It was fantastic. I got to speak to Bill Rogers, Marco Mira, and this year they've got they've got sort of an eclectic field of amateur champions. I think the British women's amateur champions playing past British amateur champions in this four hole exhibition, which is a great tribute to the players and also to great for the spectators to watch and I think Greg really should have been part of that it would have been pretty easy for him to come there play that and attend that dinner and and he, he, he could have avoided any questions do you think it's a preview of what the majors are thinking oh absolutely with, with Liv yeah at, the, at this stage this is you nutted about it uh, which is disappointing because ultimately it is just helping grow the game, giving giving opportunity for players to play golf, play for a living, demonstrate their skills and a better interest than people thought in live golf at the moment. Absolutely, yes, it's definitely like gone. The, yeah. the, it's got you know, way more momentum than it. Exactly. There's a... Um, Phil Mickelson has uh, chose not to come. I don't, 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 I don't think he allowed them to not invite him. I think he just chose to not... Attend, so he he got in he contact got on the front with the, foot. Yeah, the RNA. Yeah. Yes, got in the front foot the RNA and said, I, "I can't make it." Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's also a meeting this week, Gary, at the RNA um, about the World Golf Rankings. There's a meeting between Liv and the people that run the, the World Golf Rankings. Well, that'll be interesting. That'll be fascinating because mm. that could determine who jumps next. Exactly. It, who doesn't. Exactly. What would your view be if they if they remove? 
live or don't include live in world rankings, what do you think will happen with um, with people jumping? Will it, will it stop numbers? Will it stop players like Ricky Fowler, who's, who's been talked about a lot? There's no doubt about it. It's not going to help because obviously in this field at the moment, you've got DeChambeau, you've got, um, you've got Louis, okay. you've got Phil, you've got players that are playing on their past exemptions. And if, as we spoke about before, if, if these players say play the next 12 months without world ranking points, their, their world rankings will go out mm-hmm. and go out and go out. And then when their exemptions run out, like I think Bryson, they get a five-year five yep. exemption yep. for winning a major. Brooks, the, their exemptions will run out. Patrick Reid. Yeah, and, I, I, and, and really, whether, the good whether, <laughs> whether we like to believe it or not, these guys are measured by majors. That's uh, mm. when, when it's all said and done and they're, they're sort of at a country club smoking a pipe when they're 60 years of age, you, you oh, recognise... Can you put I'm another only, five I'm on only, that? I'm only two years me. away. I'm only two years away. Oh, you are so, too. So I think at that point, you, when you look back and you, you look at the game and the history of the game, the, the players, that's how they're measured by the majors they've won. So there's no doubt about it, these guys would be desperate for their world ranking points to continue on so they could get the opportunity to play in the majors. Mm. They're given. Uh, I was thinking before, um, well, if they could possibly get world ranking points through the Asian tour, which they clearly haven't been sanctioned from, because mm. the, 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 maybe these players will have to go and play there. Yeah, but they're playing. If they've got to play fourteen events next year, they have to play that, right? Mm. They're contracted. Yeah. How many more can they play? I mean, they only play that on the PJ Tour anyway. These guys are only playing between 15 and 20 events a year, aren't they? Yeah, probably more like 25 at the end of it. Mm. I know some play 18, but maybe that maybe that's their, the way they can sort of get through that loophole is mm. to play a certain amount of those events in Asia. But still, to accrue, to accrue that many world ranking points in mm. such a small amount of events, they're not going to be able to do it anyway. Mm. So Interesting. More interesting things to come. It'll be an interesting week, actually. Next week, we'll be talking about whether they are part of that. Is someone like a Matt Jones or a, an Ian Poulter or a Matt Wolf? are they going to go and be able to play US Open? Mm. Whether they're US PGA, are they going to be, mm. a live players going to be banned from those events moving forward, they've all, even though they're majors? They've all reserved their bets, haven't they? They've, they've held their bets back. And mm. all, all, the, all the people I've heard, the, the, uh, the, the US PGA guy in charge, Michael Wan. Is that US? No, it's USGA, isn't it, Mike Wan? He he reserved, hedged his bets when asked at the US Open whether that would next year they could be sanctioned. And the PGA guy, I can't sorry, I can't think of his name. The guy that the, the the guy in charge of oh, it's a woman, I think, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. the person in charge of the US PGA has also reserved bets. You know, not not a yes or a no. It'll be interesting. We'll wait and see, Gary. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, thanks again, Gary, for being part of the show. It's, My pleasure. It's fascinating listening to your talk and your experiences with the live is gold. And um, thank you for your exclusive. What, what there's 14 events next year? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that exclusive. And there's going to, uh, you know, hopefully there's going to be one in Australia. So Thanks, Gary. Thanks for being part of the show again. It's My fascinating. Pleasure. I love listening to your talk about particularly the live stuff in that little exclusive with something in Australia. And they even named a month, March. Yes. You know yeah. some stuff, don't you? Not that much, yeah, but you do. just that little bit. They'll have to find a course, though. Yeah. Well, I know a couple around, around the barrel Mount, area. Mount Broad. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I think James would no, I don't think James, I don't know where James would stand on that being the, on the PGA board. Maybe not. I won't even explain to the listeners who James is, just in case he's listening. <laughs> thank you. Thanks again, guys, and uh, thank you, listeners. We love talking about golf, and we'll hopefully be talking about golf very soon again. Thank you. <laughs>